Hello, his name is Heston Blumenthal. Hello, welcome to Pod and Chips. I'm inviting you to climb into my brain, put some Wellington boots on, uh, maybe some spectacles, and have a great laugh. My name is Jay Taylor. I've been working with Heston for over 10 years as his TV producer, cracking his head open and getting out all the amazing things hidden in there. We're going to be talking about many big subjects, but all held together with the wonderful world that is uniquely human, and that's cooking and eating. On today's show, we'll be taking a front row seat for one of Heston's food lab tastings. We'll be discovering how best to mix together caviar and chocolate. And this is the world's first multi-sensory podcast, which means Heston will be doing food experiments on me and you if you want to join in. This week, discover all about the amazing power of flavour encapsulation. Just grab yourself six coffee beans and some hot water. Hello, Heston. Hello, Jay. How are you? I'm very well. I'm particularly well, seeing as we are now sitting outside in Provence with a beautiful waning sun and the uh, a very gorgeous evening, isn't it? I can actually. This has a slight. This might come out slightly incorrectly. But I can see that the, the, the power of the, the sunlight here is incredible. And I can see the reflection of your eyes. Oh, that's very sweet of you to sun. say. Yes. What are you doing tonight? Is you gazing into my <laughs> eyes? <laughs> Probably eating something weird with you. <laughs> I had a mountain biking accident. Yes, your knees, I'm sitting here looking at your knees and they are, they are not great. What have you done? Uh, I fractured both kneecaps in two places. So left kneecap fractured two places, right kneecap fractured two places, and my foot's fractured. Now I should point out to, to most people, for mere mortals normally, that would mean hideous volume of crutches, feet in traction. You have to, one thing you have to understand about Heston is he's not sort of built like others. So he's, you're still walking around. Yeah, but that's not comfortably, not... but walking around <clears throat> with broken kneecaps. I, so I have, I have, I've realized I have a very high pain th- threshold. That's not something to be proud of. <laughs> probably not that useful it's not it's not useful and it's not something to be proud of because um pain is designed to kind of protect us yeah so if you have let's say if you are susceptible to very big hangover you will drink less um you're gonna you just protect yourselves a bit more and sometimes you have a go i don't mean jumping out of a plane i don't that's not something that really interests me but actually discovery uh well, hence the fact faith. you put so many things in your mouth that i imagine for most people have given them quite a bad belly you mm. must have eaten something dodgy around these i've seen you rummaging around with mushrooms and things around here oh well the, the gravel over there is beautiful this place where we've been played boule or petonk <laughs> um i decided to scoop up some gravel i washed it and put some in my mouth how did the gravel taste only, uh, only you would I have to ask that question. How was the gravel? <laughs> it, it was quite interesting, actually. To what end? To what end um, would you eat gravel? Were you thinking this well, would be a nice Well, gravel is stone. Stone has microbes in it. 10 to 15%, I think, of our bodies are made from the same thing that the stuff from Big Bang and the same thing that planets are made of. So you're kind of trying to taste so the Big Bang. So I'm trying to justify eating a planet, <laughs> but in miniature form, which is a stone and a rock. <laughs> Chapter 1. Fat Duck Food Tasting. 
chocolate and caviar. It is one of the joys of walking into your kitchen, your life, your lab, your head, is always surrounded by interesting things. What have you got in that box? So there's a, there's a guy that makes chocolate. Okay, well, this is good. I like Claudio Corallo. There's no chocolate that I've ever tasted like this. These are cocoa beans. Cocoa beans? Straight from the pub. Gosh, that's a weird sensation. That, that's, that's... Cocoa beans look like giant coffee beans, don't they? I've never mm. seen a cocoa bean before. Almost oh. like... Um... Oh, oh, no, they go really bitter at the end. Mm. Oh, they're really crunchy. When you open up a cocoa bean, it just falls apart in your fingers. Yeah, oh, wait, they... it, says, it says peel before eating. That's at the bottom <laughs> of the box. <laughs> right. Should have probably no. done that, shouldn't we? So no, these are... Gosh, that's, that's probably better if we had peeled it. These are very earthy. What's this? So it's got a cocoa bean in the middle, but it's coated in chocolate. And I think that chocolate might and be peeled. 70%. This guy, for me, makes chocolate like I've never tasted before in my life. It's, uh, you get earthy. Gosh, yeah. That's really lovely, though. It's got long... Is that where you the word earthy? It. Yeah, mm. I, I love the way you describe it. I can never get the words for it. The long finish. Mm. <laughs> sounds, Earthiness. That's the thing I've always found when you give me posh food. When I say posh, mm. like nice stuff. <laughs> the flavours and the tastes stay longer in my yes mouth. So that comes back to what I was saying before. You don't need to eat so much if you value and appreciate and are aware of each mouthful. So when the quality of the food is there, it does. It stays so you don't shove shovel or shove food in your mouth every two seconds to try and get something. You actually you used to say this thing. I remember all the time when we were filming, you used to say, oh, "It's got a great mouth feel," and I always mm. thought you were saying mouthful. So I never knew what you were talking about for years. I just nodded sagely. Said, it's got a great mouthful. I was like, okay, so it just means it's good. It's a big lump. Mm. <laughs> no, I know. I remember. I remember you used to be so frustrated that at the end of it, so the classic TV cooking shows, yeah, and the chef would to read something that they've cooked. They've cooked themselves. Have a plate up in front of camera. Put a mouthful and go. Oh, that's delicious. Well, you've bloody cooked it so of course it would be and so what i do is i kind of look up to the left or to the right and think about it and camera's still on me yeah uh, we got so good at it by the end we knew that as soon as you eat it, ate anything we'd have to change shot size because you were going to be a while thinking no. about something to say <laughs> so what's this thing so you've left given me you've told me to keep this one cube of chocolate this has no sugar and I've had 100% cocoa chocolate several times before. And it's really, really bitter. Should I try it? This, yeah, it this isn't nice. bitter, it's <clears throat> but it's not, there's no sweetness. Feels like chocolate when you're biting into it. Oh, no, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's... Uh, oh, no, that's not nice at all. It is... It's not a chocolate experience like you'd normally have, but it's certainly got something... To, I can't really put the words to it. If... As it starts to dissipate in your mouth, let's say... Yes. Then... The, the the sort of initial shock and bitterness goes starts away. to go away, and it stays around so a bit longer. Th th and then and then and then I can see you thinking, actually, I tell you what it's a bit like is I don't like whiskey, as you know. You know the really strong like single malty stuff. Yeah, it had a bit of that in it afterwards. When you have whiskey, and you have a first sip, and you go, oh, I don't like that, and then it stays around. You're like, it's oh, fermented, so the beans are fermented. What does so that mean? Cocoa beans. When you get so imagine a cocoa bean tree cocoa plant you have something that's sort of like i'm just in the shape imagine a rugby ball yeah about 
three times smaller, but only pointed at one end, the other end is round. Okay. That's kind of a cocoa pod, and it's yellow. Then they take those pods, and then they f- they ferment them in you know, sort of, well, there's different ways, but traditionally in open vats. Fermenting is letting stuff go Rot, off. Yeah. yes. So if I think if if somebody came up with that idea now, health and safety wouldn't allow it to come <laughs> to the point. market. Then um, inside the pods are, so imagine a watermelon yep. or a pumpkin. They're tons seeds. Of, tons of seeds, yeah. And that's what you've just eaten. Oh, right. The seed inside the pod. So what do you do with the rest of the pod? Did you just throw that away? They throw that away. It's probably used for some other kind of mass-produced stuff. That's and it's not crazy they taste chocolate. that bitter, though, because I don't know how you get from that to chop. How, how would someone eat that and well, make the leap that that would taste good well, as chocolate? Well, then what you have to do <clears throat> is you roast them, and then you roast puree or pound to, to get this the fat out of them and then you put them in these machines that so imagine a rolling pin if you're looking at a big rolling pin and you're standing by the side of the machine and it goes in an oval shape yep um and keeps rolling and pressing and rolling and pressing that's sort of tempering the chocolate and they do that for between 12 and 70 the, the most expensive ones are 70 plus hours and that changes the acids, and then then after that, so co- so white chocolate is not chocolate because it doesn't have any cocoa beans in it. It has cocoa; it's just cocoa fat. Cocoa oh, so the butter. bit they take out is is it, what you've just eaten. Yeah, is the bit they take out. So that hundred percent one I had just then, that yeah. is because you uh, you know there's there was a rage a little while ago where the, they had higher percentages of cocoa in them. Yeah, it, uh, you would imagine when you gave me a hundred percent that that would be the sort of king of them all, but actually it's not. It sort of falls off. It doesn't taste like chocolate anymore. No, it's not. It's not the it's not the king of them all. So, but I think we would all would naturally drift towards the higher the number, the better. Yeah, so 100%, of course. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, ten out of ten. Perfect. The king. No, 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 no. The 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 percentage level of um, cocoa in chocolate does not necessarily determine its quality. But people, there are people that go, oh, yes, I'm eating watered spirulina. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, I, I can eat the hottest chilli in the world and 100% cocoa. No. You've obviously got these things to experiment with. Would you use that 100% cocoa for something? Would you put it in, in with other stuff? Oh, yeah, I would use this in small, really small doses for something like a chilli con carne, Oh. Maybe a uh, sauce poivrade, which is a. I'm in France, so I did a French Sounds word. Good. It does sound French. Sauce poivrade for for game for meat. I'd use it in savoury or add it to. And you could use it in a dessert, but it would. It's almost like a seasoning. Yeah, because you, so you wouldn't. To, not, yeah, desserts. You'd, it sounds like that's probably the bottom of your list of things to. But that 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 this. Um, Sunset Provence, with the sunlight glowing off your eyes. Not bad, is it? And there's mm. more. What's, uh, so I found this. One of your guys was fiddling with this in the fridge. It is a bag of, well, they're pink chocolate drops. I've never seen them before. Ooh. So the pinkness comes from the way they're fermented. And they're little, look, imagine mini buttons, chocolate buttons. Mm. Yeah. 
but 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 actually quite bright pink as well. It's not dark. This this, this looks like they've been a significant yeah, colouring. Slightly mottled white. There's no colouring in that. That is just from the well, process. Apparently not. What I'm it? going to put them in my mouth. Oh, it's the first time you've right had them. Right here. Yeah, I've never right, had them okay. before. I've never even seen them before. Quite interesting. It's sort of like white chocolate with the more acidity and slightly fruity and almost pruney or if anyone's been to a, a wine cellar, there's a slight that that smell, almost smell of fermented red of red wine to it. That's really unusual looking stuff. That's I think that's I think that's fermented white chocolate. So when you say white chocolate, cocoa butter. So when they split, when you crush the pods, you get cocoa powder, cocoa mass, cocoa butter. The butter's the fat. And it's the cocoa butter that goes into that makes the white chocolate. There. We'll put some links on the um go to go to the Twitter to find out where to uh, go and find these things. I presume you can buy them, right? Is this just weird? This is probably might. might no, you, you can buy them. They're, most of your stuff you get, you can't. But this they ain't is, cheap. No, none of your stuff you roll with. It. <coughs> what? So when you're having this, because obviously, I, let me inside your head. I take this and taste this and go, oh, that's nice. What are you? You'll, you'll be making connections as you try this. What? What are you thinking about when you try this? I'm thinking about the acidity created by the fermentation process and where it is on my tongue. Where the reaction is happening in yeah, your where, tongue. Yeah, where I'm feeling the acid on my tongue. And why would that is that? Why would that be of interest? Um, because there's citric acid, lemon juice, acetic acid, vinegar, malic acid, apples. There's tartaric acid. There's there's a different acids, and they all they cover the whole tongue, but they hit in slightly different areas. And there's a thing called it's a bit like a bloke trying to explain the offside rule. <laughs> Malolactic fermentation. Wow, okay. Give me the offside rule. Um, in wine, when you convert the malic acids into lactic acids. And lactic acid is milk. So when something's creamy, yep. the lactic acid gives it its creaminess. And it sounds a bit weird with yeah. using the word acid. If you have a white, if you've had sort of white wine, and sometimes you say right on the front of your tongue, oh, that's really sour or, 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 or acidic. Then it's not gone through its malolactic fermentation. It's like a secondary fermentation process. So that's what I was looking at when I was thinking about when I was eating those. So if they hit a specific, on your sort of mouth scale of acids, if they hit a specific one, you'll go, great, I can use those in a certain place. Almost, if I'm making a dish and I need mm. something that hits that level of acid, mm. you can drop those into it. Yeah, although I hadn't actually got to the point of thinking about it as a dish. No, of course, yeah. <laughs> so I was just actually ob observing what I was tasting. And this is, uh, I mean, uh, having observed you guys do this for a long time, a, a large amount, I find, of what you, you and the guys in the lab do is exactly this, which is getting things in and eating them and observing from it. And there is there is one other thing I, I noticed on your testing table, which is Royal Bear, uh, how do you say that? Berelli, berry, berry caviar. It's sustainable caviar by that it means that you don't kill the fish to get the eggs they get massaged are you kidding no do they really get massaged, yes. <laughs> whose job is that <laughs> some people would say life is too short but uh so i'm there's a metal spoon here which i shouldn't really be using to be honest but oh you put in oh now you see you're I'm putting gonna, some of your pink chocolates yeah. in that bung some of the pink chocolates pink in it chocolate. Pink chocolate and caviar. Yeah, it's all right. 
I mean, it doesn't it doesn't clash, but it doesn't necessarily. Well, I wouldn't. I've never had caviar before, so this is quite a thrill. Oh, it's really smooth. Mm. Oh, I thought they were going to like be quite. I thought I was going to get a bit of. A... No, that's the cheap fish eggs you get in the supermarket where they go crunchy and yeah, pop. Yeah, that was yeah. that just dissolved in my mouth. Yeah, I'd say it's not an unpleasant experience. It's, it doesn't taste very. I thought it was going to be really fishy as well. It's not. It's um. No, it's not. Putting chocolate and caviar together is obviously not a new thing for you. You've done that before. Yeah. Um, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years ago. Tell me what it is, because I've never encountered this before. In an ingredient, so whether it's caviar, chocolate, coffee, tea, bread, apple, banana, orange juice, anything. It's not just one thing. It's full of molecules. And some of those molecules affect the taste. And by taste, I mean sweet, sour, salt, bitter, etc. Some of them also affect the aroma, flavour which is taste and aroma together. And um, I started to get, I got really interested in this and started to look at ingredients and see what aroma molecules were in them that gave them impactive flavor. So for example, there's a, something called benzaldehyde. And benzaldehyde is in bitter almonds, it's in the pips and the seeds of apples and peaches and, uh, and it's it's bitter almond as opposed to almond. So it's marzipan as opposed to almond. They're kind of very similar, but they're slightly, slightly different. Mm. And then cherries, hence Bakewell tart, cherries and almonds. And I was fascinated in the way that they get, this system gave you the possibility to be able to make flavour pairings that were surprising, but also work. So what did you do with caviar? How, what, what did you, which way round was that? What was the dish, by the way? What was it? What yeah, white chocolate and caviar, but it, but it worked. It was it was a specific type of caviar, mm -hmm. and the white chocolate was a specific type of white chocolate. I remember doing <laughs> anchovies and white chocolate, which was that a, sounds awful. A wholehearted disaster. <laughs> good. <laughs> it's good to hear about those. Absolutely, <laughs> complete and utter, just. Like, what was I thinking with my head over the bin? Oh, no. Oh, wow. That big a disaster. It was, it was, a, it was a biggie. <laughs> yeah, it was a biggie. Because also, I've watched you guys do tastings. You don't nibble a little bit. You go full mouthful, swallow, you know, go wholehearted. So I can imagine. There are, I think, there are things that can taste quite similar, ingredients that can taste quite similar. But when you put another ingredient with them, they might contrast an element of that ingredient that you didn't notice when you ate it on its own. This is that toolbox I see in your head and you talk about all the time where you're just discovering this stuff all, all the time. Yeah, and, and realising that it's only going to continue. And the trouble is my list of questions is <laughs> getting bigger than my list of answers. I just want to take a few minutes out here to mention uh, our sponsor for this show who's helping make this happen the economist now they've been if you didn't know heston they've been delivering trustworthy intelligence for 170 years you know that mix between economy and culture don't even get me started on the economist <laughs> good news is you don't need to take our word for it the economist is chocker full of really interesting stories and uh, I've, there's one here about uh creator bots burger robot 
which can grind meat, form patties and griddles and chops tomatoes and assembles and bags them, uh, making reliably 120 burgers an hour. And there's also something called Zumi Pizza, based in California, uh, which has a team of dough bots, which sounds amazing, and uh, can stretch the dough in 45 seconds, now being reduced to just nine for your pizza. Um, so The Economist is the smart guide to all the forces changing your world at the moment. And uh, the good news is you can get hold of a free copy by just texting CHIPS to 78070. That's C-H-I-P-S to 78070. Right, back on with the show and our multi-sensory experiment. To take part in this experiment, grab yourself six coffee beans and grind three of them into a cup of water. You, your ambition on these is these are multi-century podcasts. And what that means is anyone at home mm-hmm. can join in and learn more about themselves for food, cooking, yeah. our senses. I think that's, I think that's, I think that is one of the absolute keys. Learn more about themselves. This is one very, very, very big thing in my cooking. Very big, very big thing that, that started 20 years ago. Flavor encapsulation. About 10 years ago, there was a big trend on using something called a microplane. Have you heard of that? No. So a microplane is a grater. Oh, okay, right. But it's not like the old-fashioned pyramid metal cheese grater. Is that old-fashioned? I've got one of those. Is that old-fashioned? Like- <laughs> you are old-fashioned. So, but the microplane, I don't know what they did, but they managed to create a grater with blades that are really sharp. So when okay. you grate something with a mic they're, they're, they're fantastic you and they they patented they got the patent for this and chefs all around the world went mad for microplanes right so if you take a truffle you can do it with a button mushroom but let's do truffles because that's that's how you roll yeah. expensive chef um and you microplane a truffle one um one or two grams of truffle, which would um, be, a, if it was a square, it would be about a third to a quarter of a centimetre squared. Right? Yep. You microplane it, you cover everything in truffle. Oh, so it expands that. Yeah, yeah. You get much more of it. More so, well, you uh-huh. think you do. I took two grams of truffle, which was a square piece of truffle, which was probably, a, it was between... A half and three quarters of a centimetre squared. So imagine that. It's yep. a plump Not very big. black square. And I grated the same way. I, I, I weighed it. And <clears throat> in fact, whilst the microplane truffle had possibly 20 times the volume of the cube of truffle that wasn't microplaned, mm. There was no comparison in the effect. The the cubed truffle, when my teeth bit into it, bang! Gosh. So you're going to so you're going to illustrate this effect of flavour encapsulation to me with coffee, right? So um, in front of me here, just to explain, I've got one cup of water with three coffee beans ground finely into it, and then next to this, I've got a cup of just water, and next to it. Three whole coffee beans. Let's sip. So sip this. Sip the coffee. Three ground beans. Mm. Yeah, it tastes like 
It's actually not a bad, I have to say. It's not bad, actually. It's quite it's weak, <laughs> weak. It sort of tastes, um, I don't know these drip coffee, weak coffee. I know, but I kind of like it. It's quite like nice, it. that. So think about the coffee intensity. Okay, yes. Now. I'd say it's on a coffee intensity scale, it's probably a two or three. That was compared to the most intense coffee flavour I've had, which was a... a okay, good shout, good yeah. shout, good shout. Now. Now you're taking some beans and giving them to three me. Three beans. Yep. Put them in your mouth. Put them in my mouth. And then crunch them and have a sip of water. Oh, okay. Three coffee beans about right. Oh my god, that's so yeah. It's so strong. It's so strong. Um, that's up there with a nine for me. That's, it's off on the MIG chart. Yeah. So it's really it's it's not pleasant though. This is like I'm gonna make this noise. Yeah, smack in the face. Smack in the it's a smack in the face. It's a smack in the face. It's not Monday to Sunday. But that's amazing that the difference that is I'm having the very same beans in the very same amount of water the only yes. difference is some of them are crushed and some of them are not well actually they are crushed but they're crushed in my mouth sometimes contrast contrast, contrast. between the base level of equilibrity i just made that word up <laughs> by the way and, and big bang you need contrast chapter three the everlasting gum Gobstopper. I read this in the New Scientist. I thought I'd mention it to you. It sounds really interesting. It says that um, a guy called Naoshi Uba at Miji University in Japan. Can you pronounce it? No. <laughs> in a less offensive way. In Japanese, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lawsuit's coming. He's created a chewing gum that zaps your tongue with electricity to yeah. keep the flavour going. It's a pain-free device called a, an unlimited electric gum, and it uses the piezoelectric effect, a phenomenon where mature, materials produce electric charge when squeezed. And apparently, uh, when people were chewing it, it produced salty and bitter tastes. Mm -hmm. But also, one of the key things was, unlike real chewing gum, it will continue to stimulate the taste buds for as long as it's chewed. In terms of chewing gum, years ago, I, I did some quite a bit of work with um, Nottingham University. And there's a guy in there called Andy Taylor, and he came up with, he was working with one of the large, world's largest perfume houses called Fermish. They collaborated on making this machine called, I think it was called the Affirm. And it was, it was basically a nose, a computerized nose. So you imagine a computer with an arm that comes out of it with a straw, vertical straw on the end of it. And then you have to program into the computer a molecule or a couple of molecules to, for the, the computer needs to look for. So in this instance, it was a, the experiment was chewing gum and it was menthol and menthone. So, so one was the minty flavor and the other one was that minty freeze cooling effect that you get from it. Uh, so I put the gum in my mouth and just sat over the straw that sort of sat into my, one of my nostrils. Imagine I started chewing the gum in front of this computer and it was programmed to look for the menthol and the menthone. And after 20 odd minutes of chewing, the flavor went down. Yeah, chewing gum I, flavor I always goes off went, for a few minutes. But you look on the computer, it's still there. It was still in my body, in the gum and in my nostrils. The aroma molecules were still there. However, what happened is uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the face of it, I got numb to it. But in fact, what the theory was, was quite fascinating, is that so we always need to make an association with two different senses. The minty flavor and the cooling minty feeling 
with sweetness we experience as kids daily toothpaste so when you chew the gum because it's taste is in our mouth and flavor mint the aroma is in our nostrils taste is much more uh, is the last sort of defense mechanism sense because when you put something in your mouth and you swallow it you might you know, it might kill you. So, so what happens when you chew the gum? As you chew, the sweetening agent in the gum gets dissolved in your saliva and you swallow. So the gum becomes less sweet. But the brain attaches. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have a, needs an anchor of one thing. So the anchor is the sweetness before the mintiness. Because of the chewing... So, because well, of the toothpaste. toothpaste yeah, cause, yes, exactly. So... As we chew, the the sweetness of the gum gets dissolved and we swallow it. So the gum becomes less sweet and we perceive the minty flavour to go down with the... It goes down with the, the, lack, the, the, the lack of... Um, or, the, or the diminishing sweetness. So if you then put some sugar back in your mouth, boom, comes straight no. back again. Yeah. So this thing that does a chewing gum lose its flavour on the bedpost overnight? No. So, uh, so if I, so anyone out there who wants to try this, if you go and get some chewing gum, you can chew it for twenty minutes. When the flavour goes, yeah, put some, sugar, put in some mouth, sugar in your mouth, and it will come back again. Yeah. And is it the same that if you took chewing gum out of your mouth and then came back to it later, it would be there again, or does it need the sugar? No, it needs the sugar for it to work. It'll need. Well, it will come back, uh, but for a shorter period of time, depending on how long you've chewed it. So this is the other last thing, isn't it? In somebody else's mouth. I don't know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we are not doing that experiment. <laughs> well, no. But anyone listening can have a go. <laughs> and and, and uh, comments, um, comments welcomed. So never-ending chewing gum is but a spoonful of sugar away. Uh, you ah, just yeah. Keep, <laughs> never everlasting. Sounds like Mary Poppins. <laughs> uh, Heston, wonderful. Thank you ever so much. We've put all sorts of things in my mouth. Uh, really, <laughs> <laughs> and you're still sitting and we've there. solved the problem Not of chewing gum, <laughs> chewing gum losing its flavour uh, that's it for Pod and Chips this week if you want to find out any more about the stuff that we've been eating and talking about uh, hop on the website go on Twitter Instagram all the various places you can find Heston's Pod and Chips until next week thanks so much for listening thank you Heston for letting us inside your brain it's time to say goodbye Heston goodbye Heston <laughs> Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get yours from. And remember, if you like it, please rate, review, and get in there and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>